Good morning to each one of you. Greetings in Jesus' name. It has been a while since I've preached here. I was looking back just a little bit, and the last time I preached here at Bethany was February 18. Circumstances, I guess. And, uh, you know, as I, as I look back, you know, we, we tend to uh, categorize things. And, and uh, as I look back at how things, God had some things planned out for, for our family, I guess, for myself. I have prepared this message probably the end of February, 1st of March. And, uh, of course, I started the work at CLP, and that's been a little bit uh, heavy on mind and body, I guess. That may have contributed to the back problem. I'm not sure. Don't ask Karen too much. Anyway, this message this morning has been on my mind for a while, and it also is a springing off of the message that I shared the last time in February, or maybe even January. No, it was February. Does anyone know the topic, besides my family, (laughs) does anybody remember the topic of that message? I'm sorry to put you on the spot. Step up to the plate. Okay, Paul. Okay, partially. It was God's design, the godly design of men taking their proper role and responsibility in the home, in the church, and then ultimately in society. But this one is the next step. And so, ladies, today, this was what I was planning on sharing for you all a couple of, actually a couple of months ago. But the other, the other week, the other month, actually, I spoke on men being the godly leader, the home, the church, the community. This week, I wanted to, this, this morning, I wanted to continue the thought and look at the ladies' response to the gospel of Jesus Christ and fulfilling her proper role, her proper place as God designed her to be in helpmeet. So I'd like for you to turn with me, if you will. This is going to have a little bit of overlap from the last message. And so you will probably recognize some of these verses as as we go through this. But in Genesis chapter 2, starting at verse 20, And I guess the reason I share this is because of concern for the future of the church. And the reason I say that also is because someone called me just in the past little while, and then a a call came again this morning. And they're looking for people to help out in ministering the gospel in churches. 
And this person called me this morning and said, you know, we're still waiting on a response. And so I gave him the response of the question that they ask. Do you have people, do you have young people that are ready and willing and able to help with ministering the gospel? And I said, you know, our, our young people are kind of limited. The ones that we have are busy, and that's, that's wonderful. We need to have those busy people. And this man said, I have found, as I have asked around at the different churches, that we have young ladies that are available to go, but we don't have any young men. We don't have any young men that are saying, hey, I'll go and help out with this work. I'll go and do it. And he said, I feel uncomfortable asking several young ladies to go and help out with the work that he's asked them to do. Why is that? Is it because men are not stepping up to the plate? What is the real reason for this? We're concerned, and we talked about this in our Wednesday evening Bible studies a little bit back. We're concerned about the influence of society on the church, the people of God. We're concerned about technology and false religions. We're concerned about postmodernism and Calvinism. But are we concerned about the breakdown of the home? Are we concerned about men stepping up to the plate, women taking their proper role, In Genesis chapter 2, verse 20, it says, Adam gave names to all the cattle, to all cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found an help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. I want you to picture Adam, the the first created man. God created him out of the dirt, out of the dust of the ground, and breathed into him a living, the, the, the life. Because I can't say exactly how to say it. And then he caused that sleep to come upon Adam. And he reached into his side and pulled that rib out. Now, I don't know which side God reached in to pull that rib out of that man. But what I see in this is that God pulled this helpmeet from the side of man. And once he used that rib to create this beautiful being that God had designed for him, he brought him back and gave her to him to be by his side. And I want you to think about that. To be by his side. And then it says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be welded. Now, my flesh, my bones, they are all kind of intertwined. You know, the sinews, they hold the muscles, these cartilages and all those things, they work together. 
And all of this stuff is specifically designed so that our bodies work properly. But God in His original creation created man, created woman out of man, and then brought her back and gave her to man to be by His side. And this word help meet, and I want to share that again as I did last time, comes from a primitive word. It means to help, but it also, a part of that word in the Hebrew means to surround, to protect, to aid. Think about that. To surround, to protect, to aid. It also means to help and means to succor. S-U-C-C-O-R. This word sucker means assistance and support in times of hardship or distress. It means to give assistance or aid to. The word woman in Genesis chapter 22, the word woman there means each and every female. It doesn't just say wife, but it means each and every female. In Genesis 2.24, it uses the word wife. And it is the exact same Hebrew word, which means each and every female. And then in Genesis 2.24, one flesh means, one flesh means by extension, a body of a person, a flesh, a kin, a self. Then we turn over to Genesis chapter 3, the deception. In Genesis chapter 3, starting at verse 1, it says, And now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And unto the woman said unto the ser- and the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Now, as I shared in the other message, why did Satan go to Eve? Why didn't Satan go to Adam and say these things? Satan knew what he was doing. He knew that as he appealed to the woman, he was appealing to her emotions, her desires. He appealed to the woman. He knew that she would be more susceptible. And I don't say that in a derogatory way at all. It's just the way God designed men and women. It says in Hebrew, I'm sorry, it says in 1 Peter, Likewise ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. Now who said that? It wasn't me. It was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to Peter. Give honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. This phrase, weaker vessel, refers to the physical makeup of a woman, but it also refers to her moral and spiritual knowledge and power. 
The Hebrew for weaker, or the Greek, means strengthless. Ladies, bear with me as I go through this. We're not putting you down. I'm just sharing the Word of God as it is in context, hoping hoping that we can bring all this back together in the end. It means strengthless in various applications. Literal, we know, literally, we know, ladies, you are not as strong as men. Now, there may be some exceptions at times. We understand that. And so I'm not speaking uh, on a blanket statement, but in general. We know that women typically are weaker in physical prowess. But it also refers to moral and spiritual knowledge. And I want you to bear with me on that. Literal and figurative and moral, more feeble, impotent. And I'm sharing the Greek, this, without strength. A woman... As I read some of these scriptures, as I contemplate some of these scriptures, it it appears to me that as someone more susceptible, someone that is more susceptible to to disguise, someone that is more susceptible to be beguiled, someone that is more susceptible to being tricked or led into something. And Satan appealed to her heart. And as he appealed to her heart, he was able to establish some type of doubt within her mind. She saw that fruit as something that was good to eat. She saw that fruit as something that was pleasant to look at. And all of those things were absolutely true. But she also saw that fruit as something that would give them wisdom. Now we believe what the Bible teaches. We believe that God's word is true. And God had actually spoken to Adam, and Adam was supposed to relay this message to Eve. But somehow along the way, there was doubt established. And that caused her to question the validity of what her husband instructed her and what God actually said. And then she partook and gave to the man that was beside her, that was with her. And again, ladies, I'm not laying all the blame at your feet because that's where men need to step up to the plate, to be the proper leaders that they need to be, to help you in your, quote, weaker state as women that are susceptible. Women are gatherers, they're providers, they're caregivers, they're planners, they're teachers, they're all of these things. And in Proverbs 31, 10 through 27, we see all of those things that a godly woman is. And we are blessed with that. Incredibly blessed with that. It says in Proverbs 31, 27, she looketh well 
to the ways of her household. Women strive to do what is good and well for themselves, but also for those that they are welded to, that they are glued to, that they are a part of, their husbands, their children, their home. Remember what helpmeet means? It means to surround, to protect, to aid, to succor. And succor means assistance and support in times of hardship and distress. It means giving assistance and aid too. But again, I go back to the question. Why was Eve making the decisions in the garden? She knew what God had said. From what I understand, she knew what God had said because she regurgitated what God, she said back to to Satan what God had told them or what Adam had told her. Why didn't Eve go to Adam and say, Adam, Satan told me this. What do you think about this? I don't know. I don't know the context of what the whole story is. Why didn't she say, wait a minute. That's not what Adam told me that God said. But Satan appealed to her heart, her mind, her emotions. It says, and then when they partook of the fruit... Everything came crashing down. And then they attempted the remedy of the fig leaves. Now, I don't know what you're in your mind's eye the perception of a fig leaf is. Do you all have this perception that it was a great big leaf? How many of y'all do? Do you know how big a fig leaf is? How many of you all know how big a fig leaf is? How big is it? It's not very big. And maybe even smaller. We see some of the fig leaves around here, of some of those fig trees, and they're really small. And I know some of the other fig leaves are quite are, are a good bit larger. In my mind's eye, I always pictured this great big elephant's ear that they knit together, or however they did it, to cover their nakedness, to cover their sin. But it took a lot of work for them to sew those leaves together in an attempt to cover what they had done. And it still didn't do the job. And I want you to think about yourself at times, men and and women. Oftentimes when we do something we know is wrong, we try to gather these fig leaves together and cover it up. So that people can't see what we did. And that takes a lot of work to do that. To get all those leaves put together to cover something that we know is probably very visible anyway. And then we see what happened after they covered. For the curse came upon man, woman, and the serpent himself, 
says it in verse 14 of chapter 3. It said, The Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this thing, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. For the woman, he said, Unto the woman I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and, in, and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And I referred to this desire in a message a year or so ago. <clears throat> and this word, I studied a little more, bit more into this word of desire, and it means from the original a sense of stretching out after, a longing, a desire. And it comes from a primitive root word, which means to run after, to overflow, to overwhelm. Because of disobedience, because of sin, women have a desire to run after or over. Their husbands, and I am open to your correction as I read some of this, as I gain some insight. And this is not an excuse or a legitimate reason to continue in this pattern, but just like man needs to take his rightful role in being a godly leader, this desire of the woman to rule over, to overflow, to tell the husband what to do, needs to be tempered. By the word of God, so that she can assume her right place in the home. For women to be a helpmeet, it's marvelous, it's beautiful, it's designed by God. But we can see what happens when men and women do not allow the work of the Spirit of God in their lives. When men lay down their roles, women pick it up. Because they have that natural desire to surround, to protect, to aid, to help, to succor. To succor means assistance and support in times of hardship and distress. Give assistance or aid to because their emotions, their being, do not, they don't want things to fail. And so they will do everything in their power to pick up the pieces, even if it's taking the rightful role of what God designed the man to be. I mentioned this in an earlier message, and I don't know how long it was. How many of you all know what, who Rosie the Riveter is? Do you, remember, do you remember what the picture looks like and represents someone? Yes. Can you tell me? She had the build of a man. Somewhat. Somewhat, yes, Exactly. She was pictured having a bandana tied up around her hair with the garb of a man and her standing with her muscle shown, her sleeve rolled up, saying, we can do it. We can do it. And this was the U.S. government's efforts to get women to take the place of men that had gone off to war. And because of the, the missing male link in society, production went down because there were no men to work in the factories. And so Rosie the Riveter came out of the woodwork. 
to go to those places of worship, to places of work, sorry, those places of work to pick up the pieces to, to help with the war machine, to help support their men, their sons, their husbands that were off fighting a war for the nation. And it was, we can do it. Women said, we can do it. In the beginning of the 20th century, women were regarded as society's guardians of morality. The early 20th century. They were seen as possessing a finer nature than men, and they were expected to act such in such a way. Women were expected to hold their innocence, to wait for their man, and then to start a family, and then to teach that morality to the generations that come after. And because of war, because of Rosie the Riveter, because of that figurative woman going off to work and leaving the home, there has been a decline. There's been a decline in the home, which ultimately affects the church, the community, and the nation. In July 20, now I want you to think about this. This is 100 years ago, 98 years ago. In July 20, the New York Times ran a headline that read, The American woman had li- has lifted her skirts far beyond any modest limitation. And that was not just referring to the way that she dressed. It was not just referring to fashion, but it was referring to the, the fact that she was, womankind was entering into the workforce and leaving the home where God designed for her to be, to teach, to be the guardians of morality. As possessing a finer nature, women expecting to hold their innocence and teaching that to the generations that came after. As we look at society, at the war machine, as we look at women entering the workforce... As we look at modern day today where education is promoted, and I'm not knocking education. We need to be intellectual beings as well. But when that intellectual com- intellectuality comes ahead of nurturing and guarding the morality of the home, it has become misplaced according to God's word from what I recognize there. When men lay down their responsibility, women pick up the pieces. It's a natural thing that they do. And what has happened in each one of those things? Have men become more godly? What do you think? Have men become more godly? No. Have women become more obedient to the Word of God? Is the home 
a better place today than what it was in the early 1900s, and that was only 100 years ago? Is the home a better place? Has the church been influenced in a positive direction because of the decisions? And I think as we look at that, it's a sobering reality that we are facing today. And it's a sobering reality when we get a phone call and say, I've got some girls to go, but I don't have any guys. As women disregard their rightful place as a helpmeet, they tend to lose obedience to the truth of the Word of God. And again, that's not a blanket statement because the power of the Holy Spirit can trump that. There's no question about that. But as women disregard their rightful place as a helpmeet, they tend to lose their obedience to the truth of the Word. And when they fail to obey the truth, they more frequently fail to submit to their authorities, to fathers, to husbands, to teachers, to ministers. They tend to lay aside modesty. They tend to fail to teach that in their home and in their church. And their symbol of authority often tends to become smaller and smaller until it disappears. But along with that, the guardian of morality tend to lose that guardianship. And along with the laying aside of following the authorities in their life and then teaching it in their home and their, and the, um, the reduction of the size of their symbol of authority, their covering, the moral values go out the door too. They become more vocal, more proactive, So how do we fix this problem? Ladies, please don't think that I'm aiming for you. Okay? I'm simply preaching. What God has, I feel, laid on my heart. And again, most of this goes right back to this side of the room. How do we fix it? You know, my dad struggled with alcohol basically all of his life. And he went to a clinic at one time to get some help. And one of the first steps in that Alcoholics Anonymous clinic, they said, was to admit that there is a problem. Do you have a problem? Do you have a problem? Do I have a problem? If we have a problem, we need to recognize that problem. We need to step up to the plate and say, we've got a problem. And then we are one step closer to recognizing that we can fix this with God's help, with others' help, in following the teaching and the principle of God and His Word. We need to evaluate our lives. This principle of admittance, is also found in Scripture. We need to acknowledge our failings, our sins, and then we need to go forward in repentance. 
And so I asked the question. And these are some thought-provoking questions, but they're also questions that uh, they're hard for me to ask, and yet <clears throat> I'm just going to do it anyway. So as a wife, do you have a desire to run over or after your husband? And if you do, Alcoholics Anonymous, take the first step forward. Be the helpmeet. Are you there to surround, to protect, to aid, or to run over? Are you there as a sucker, as an assistance? I don't know if I'm saying that word correctly. Sucker? Am I saying that correctly? Assistance and support in times of hardship and distress. To give assistance or aid to. I'm going to ask you all this question. Ladies, do you see a problem anywhere in the church? In the family? In the society that we live in? Do you? We need to get to the root of the problem. We need to deal with the issue and then start building on a foundation that's tried and true. The problem is back at the garden. Sin and the consequences of the fall of man. Sin entered through Adam and Eve and the humanity and humanity and the home and the church are reaping the consequences of that choice. But we don't have to stay there. We have victory through Jesus Christ. It says, for as one man's disobedience Many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. We need to admit, admit that we are needy creatures and that the sin, uh, the curse of sin still has its effect on us today. And then we need to recognize the problem and step up to the plate. Men, step up to the plate. Ladies, step up to the plate. Do what you need to do so that you can follow God's proper role for the home for the church, for society, for the world. For the man, verse 17 of Genesis says, And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. And thou shalt eat the, her the herb of the field, and in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken. For dust thou art, and dust unto dust shalt thou return. God was saying to Adam, Because you listened to your wife, because you listened to your wife and disobeyed me, God, you're going to struggle to make a living. You're going to have to deal with thorns and thistles. You're going to have to earn your bread by sweating. And you're going to have to be a leader and deal with your wife's desire to overwhelm or overflow, to run over or after In the New Testament, God, through the inspired writings of men, 
said that we men were going to have to practice loving. And I shared that in the other message the other week. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. What does that mean to you all? Let me read that again. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. What does that mean to you, fellas? To me, that means that this washing of the water is something that needs to be cleansed continually. It's something that we need to do, some work that we need to do. And this water by the word, from what I understand, is the word of God. We need to cleanse and sanctify our homes by the continual washing by the word of God. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Ladies, being in subjection and following God's design, this is the title of the message, God, The Godly Design, Part 2. Being in subjection, in subjection and following God's design does not weaken your position. It strengthens it. Because as God tells us in His Word, obedience, do it like I said. This is the way I have it laid out. When we follow in obedience God's proper plan, it strengthens your position. Because you have God's blessing on your position. You have God's blessing on your actions, your reactions, and basically all of life. Your relationship with your husband, your relationship with your husband and wife to your children, your relationship with your husband and wife and children to the church, to the school, and even to society. It's a trickle-down effect. 1 Peter 3, 1 says, Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may, without the word, be won by the conversation of the wives. It's God's design. It's what God has laid out. We can look at society, we can look at the workforce, we can look at the world, and we can see the general digression. But if we look at the church, if we look at families, as we look at the broad picture, we can see how it has affected souls for eternity. So my challenge to us as men, as women, is that we just look at the scriptures and follow those precepts and principles that God has laid out
for us to obey because as we follow His godly design, there is strength, there is power, and there is glory to God as we do it for His glory. May the Lord bless you.